get ready. So this episode is all about the dietary and lifestyle restrictions that are required for my year-long Sama. And let me tell you, these restrictions are hardcore and this year will no doubt be a challenge. And because the restrictions are so intense, I want to talk about what I agree with and what aspects I have questions about with the goal of trying to determine what actually matters and what is merely superstition. So quick reminder before we start. So I've got a bunch of new podcast gear available. I have new t-shirts and hoodies and I have a new design that says Poquito Mas is the magic number, which is based on the ceremonies that I had at Niue Rao back in January. I also have a mushroom design with a couple more coming, and I kind of have a cool uh, psychedelic eye design. So it's a great way to support the show and to help support me during this year-long diet. Also, those of you that uh, know me personally, and I guess even for the listeners, I do have some uh, pine pollen tinctures available as well as some of the fermented herbal tonics. There will be more about that in a future episode, hopefully coming out fairly soon. So also, I wanted to say that I started a YouTube page where my podcast will also be posted. For now, they are just simple videos. I'm just trying to kind of broaden my reach. So go check it out. The uh, YouTube page is called The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. And lastly, at the very least, if you are enjoying this podcast, please like it share it, subscribe to it, and leave a review. That helps out a lot. Okay, so let's get into it. So I guess first things first, before we can talk about the restrictions, we need to discuss some of the general details about the Sama. So what is it? What is a plant dieta or Sama? And I guess the first thing you should know uh is that the words dieta, diet, and sama all basically mean the same thing in this context, so I will use them interchangeably. So the short answer to what a plant sama is, is it is the process of creating a very intimate relationship or connection with a particular plant or tree for a specific amount of time so that one can receive not only the plant's physical medicinal qualities, but more importantly, to receive wisdom and guidance from the spirit of the plant. Now, I know that may sound crazy, but it's 100% true. See, plants are extremely wise and powerful entities who can help us improve our lives and achieve great heights so long as we develop the ability to communicate with them. In fact, one of the biggest mind-blowing revelations I've had since the beginning of my plant medicine journey five years ago is learning that plants can talk. See, not only can they talk, but each plant species has a unique personality and a unique specialty. Some plants can teach you how to develop compassion and empathy, Others, mental fortitude and physical resilience. Some can inspire new ideas. Others can open your eyes to a new reality and help guide you towards your true self and your highest potential. But the thing is, plants speak in a different language. They speak in frequencies to your heart. And their intelligence and wisdom comes in the form of intuition. 
In other words, plant spirits subtly, subtly push and nod you in the right direction with insights, ideas, and even divine guidance provided your intentions are clear and your heart is true. Or I guess I should say, if you are able to connect with a plant, they will push you and nod you in the direction of your intentions. Meaning, if your intentions are good, they will help guide you toward the light. But if your intentions are bad, then the plants will lead you down a dark path. The truth is, the spirit world or the energetic world is a lot like the force from Star Wars. The force is neither good nor bad. It just is. See, the force obeys the wishes of the practitioner, and the practitioner can choose to use the force to become a Jedi or a Sith. The force doesn't care. And the same is true with a plant, Sama, and the spiritual connection you make with the plant. The plant does not necessarily care how you use it. Provided the connection is strong, it will help you find what you are looking for. Now, there's a whole philosophical debate on what constitutes good and what constitutes bad intentions or what makes a Jedi and what makes a Sith. But just remember that the road to hell is often paved with good intentions. So choose your intentions carefully. But anyway, that is a conversation for another time. I just bring this up to point out that there is much more to a plant Sama than meets the eye. Just know that just because someone diets a plant or does any type of plant medicine for that matter, doesn't make them holy or enlightened. A plant sama is just one piece to a much bigger puzzle. Granted, it's an important piece, but there is still, but there is so much more to the story. So anyway, none of this matters though, at the end of the day, none of this matters if your mind, body, and spirit are distracted overwhelmed and overstimulated if that's the case you will never connect to the subtle frequencies of plants and that and that is why a sama has many restrictions because the purpose is to remove as much unnecessary input and stimulus from your everyday life so that you can become more sensitive to the subtle language of your plant and I've also talked about this in my La Ultima Ceremonia series, so if you want a little more information, go check out that series. Okay, so in general, the Sama is about connecting to a specific plant for a specific amount of time so that you can develop a relationship that will last a lifetime. And see, that's one aspect I don't think I have mentioned before. If your diet is successful, you will gain a friend and spiritual ally for life. And that's one of the biggest benefits of doing, of dieting plants. So remember, as above, so below. So in the physical realm, having a strong strong network of family, friends, teachers, and intimate relationships can help you grow and become a better version of yourself. While the same... Well, the same applies in the spiritual realm. The bigger and better your spiritual connections are to strong supportive allies, guides, and teachers, the easier it becomes to grow, evolve, and become your true authentic self. And it is worth remembering or knowing that a journey of significance will require help and support from others. See, no one has ever achieved anything of greatness alone in a vacuum. All the people we admire for their achievements have all had a strong support network. And as I'm learning, spiritual support is just as critical as mental and physical support. 
and plant spirits can provide tremendous spiritual support. So with that being said, the question then becomes how best to connect to plant spirits. Well, in the Shipibo tradition in which I am training and learning, their method is to consume a specific plant or tree while simultaneously following, following a series of restrictions around your sama, which include the food you consume and your overall lifestyle for a specific amount of time. Also, the Shipibo use ayahuasca as a tool to help you to help connect you to your plant in the spirit world. Now, I will say that the use of ayahuasca is only a small part of the plant sama process. Many of the insights and downloads happen not in a ceremony, but outside of it. And then, of course, once you receive an insight or download, it is then up to you to put in the necessary work to manifest your new idea and your new lifestyle into physical reality. Okay, so because the restrictions are so important, in the Shipibo tradition, I want to talk about the validity of these restrictions while simultaneously asking questions, which restrictions matter and which are just plain superstition. Now, I, I do want to go on record saying that I do believe that restrictions are necessary, especially for those of us like myself who have been trapped in the matrix for a long time. However, with that being said, I'm trying to determine if the Shipibo method is the best method, or could you tweak the restrictions slightly and achieve better results? Well, first things first, what exactly are the restrictions in the Shipibo tradition? Well, for the next year, my restrictions are as follows. No red meat, no pork, no spices, no sex, no other master plants, no salt, no oil, no dairy, no alcohol, no caffeine, no drugs, no fruit with minor exceptions that don't make any sense. And also reduce stimulus such as movies, music, social media and social interactions. Now that essentially covers about 98% of it. The other 2% is, is in the weeds about which specific foods and which very specific activities. Uh, so I am questioning these restrictions for three reasons. First and foremost, that is what I do. I, I question things. It is my gift or my curse depending on how you look at it. Either way, I have never been one to just blindly follow rules. The second reason is these restrictions are fairly intense, right? I mean, following them for a solid year is definitely going to put a damper on my lifestyle. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all about embracing the suck as long as the juice is worth the squeeze. And as we will discuss later, some of these restrictions make a lot of sense and some don't, and it would be a bummer to follow some made-up or unnecessary restriction that had no impact on the overall connection to my plant. Or worse yet, what if doing something or eating something that is restricted, that is restricted would actually have a po positive benefit to my overall well-being and make my connection to the plant even stronger? Which leads me to the third reason for questioning these restrictions. And that is, I have not seen a real-life Jedi yet. <laughs> See, the Shipibo are fantastic healers, and their connection to nature is second to none. But they are far from being Jedis. 
and all the Westerners who have been on a similar path as me studying under the Shipibo, many of them have gone on to become great healers with great connection to nature, and many of them have even improved their lives significantly. However, they are also nowhere close to being a Jedi. Now, I'm only half joking. I don't know if it's, if it's possible to become a Jedi, but I also don't know if it is impossible, right? Who really knows what the limits of human potential are? Imagine how much better, stronger, faster, smarter, and more connected you could be if you did everything right. If you only ate the best, most nutritionally dense foods, did the best workouts, had the best spiritual practice, if you trained your mind, body, and spirit in the best way possible, what could you achieve? The answer is, we have no idea. We have no idea what the limit of human potential is. See, I look at the Shipibo and their methods as highly effective. They definitely know what they are doing. However, it is also fair to say that their methods are by no means perfect. The Shipibo and their Western apprentices and their Western apprentices are not perfectly enlightened beings who are connected to the force, have lightsabers, and can move objects with their minds. Yes, maybe this is not possible, but until something is perfect, there's always room for improvement. So the question then becomes, could this method be improved? Now, before all you scared white people in the Pacific Northwest freak out and think, and think by me asking these questions, I am culturally appropriating or whatever the new term is, I can assure you I am not. I highly respect the Shipibo and their methods. In fact, that is why I am learning from them. What I'm looking to do is give credit where credit is due while also stand on the shoulder of giants. I am just wondering if the methods I'm currently following could be better. Maybe they can't. Maybe they can. Who knows? If we never ask questions and just do as we are told like so many people have done over the last two years, we will never progress any further. Innovation, growth, and evolution happen only when the standard operating procedure is broken, when rules are bent, when questions are asked, and when new ideas are put to the test. Imagine if no one ever improved the Wright Brothers' airplane design, right? Instead, we just assumed it was the best and only way to make an airplane and never tried anything else. So with that being said, I will say that I agree with most of the diet restrictions, even the no sex, which is obviously one of the hardest ones. On a side note, I have wondered if sex would be okay with a spouse or a committed and highly connected partner who was on a similar, similar path. But unfortunately for me, I'm not married, I'm not in a relationship, and I haven't met anyone who's on a similar path that strikes my fancy. So it looks like I will be doing what the kids call monk mode, for the next year. However, as much as I hate to admit it, sex is probably not good while on a plant diet. Sex is not only extremely pleasurable, it is also energetically entangling. Even if you think you can have unconnected sex, you can't. When you have sex, you are exchanging energies and you can't help but get wrapped up into your partner's world and their energies. And don't get me started if you're having casual sex or if you're in an open relationship because you then become wrapped up in multiple people's energies. 
And look, I'm not judging. It's your journey. All I'm saying is this is not good when trying to build an intimate relationship with a plant spirit. So I have no choice but to embrace the no sex for a year. But there's always a bright side. There's always a positive to be found if you are willing to look. And what has popped up on my radar screen is the benefits of semen retention. See, that's right. I forgot to mention, there's also no masturbation either. So I've recently discovered... And so because of all this, I've recently discovered the benefits of semen retention and transforming sexual energy into a creative energy. See, sexual energy is one of the most powerful forces on the planet. And remember, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It is just transformed. So the idea is to take the most powerful energy on the planet and instead of releasing it into a sock you instead transform it into an extremely beneficial energy. I mean, this is real-life alchemy, and since I have committed to no sex or no masturbation for a year, I'm actually excited to explore this in more depth. I hope to do an episode on it in the future once I know more. Anyway, it's enough sex talk for now. Uh, Let's talk about what I agree with and when it comes to the diet restrictions or sorry, let's talk about what I don't agree with when it comes to the diet restrictions, or at the very least, the things I have the biggest questions or concerns about. And that is some of the food restrictions and the other master plans. So let's first discuss food. See, if you want to be 100% traditional, the Shipibos say the only food you should eat while on a plant sama would be fish and unripe and unripe grilled plantains. Although I'm not sure how true that really is. This is just what I've been told. Um, Anyway, what is now allowed is fish, plantains, rice, lentils, potatoes, oats, some chicken, and quinoa, all unseasoned and all salt-free. And if that's not bad enough, you are limited to only certain types of fish, basically freshwater fish that are non-predatory. So that basically means all good fish like tuna salmon and whatnot see i've never really been a big for fish person so i don't know the names of all the best fish but i guess it really doesn't matter because the best types of fish are not on the menu so the fish you eat in the jungle is called boca chico while and it's actually rather tasty but it has so many bones in it that it breaks the laws of biology so it is a pain in the ass to eat The fish I am told to eat while I'm home is trout, which isn't bad, but the problem with trout is it's hard to find trout that isn't farmed. And if you don't know, farmed fish is not the healthiest food on the planet, which leads right into the biggest problem I have with the acceptable uh, diet food, and it is not very healthy. Sure, it is much healthier than most people's diets, But most people eat like shit, and I am not most people. In other words, the food allowed during a plant sama is far from being the optimal diet. This diet lacks quality fats, veggies, salt, and diversity, which means it lacks critical vitamins and nutrients. At the very least, I feel like adding eggs, fresh-caught fish like salmon, 
some, some avocados, a little salt, some veggies, and certain fruits would go a long way in making the diet much healthier while still being relatively minimal and adhering to the restrictive nature of the diet, which leads into one restriction that is actually probably harder than the no sex, and that is no salt. See, salt, is, in the Shipibo tradition, salt is said to be grounding and the plants do, don't like salt. Again, this is something I, I don't know. I wonder how true this really is. But the truth is salt is an extremely critical nutrient and completely re- removing it from your diet for a year is really hard on the body. Your electrolyte balance gets thrown off. Your blood pressure drops. And as a result, you become weaker and your stamina significantly decreases. Not to mention you are subject to intense muscle cramps. Then, because this diet lacks vitamins and nutrients your body and mind will be operating in a far from ideal state. And the lack of quality fats can affect immune and hormone function, your metabolism, and your brain health. Again, the diet that I'm supposed to eat over the next year isn't bad, and I will definitely be able to do it, and I will be fine. However, I just wonder if some well-thought-out modifications could improve the entire process, including making the connection with the plant much better while still maintaining the overall purpose of the restrictions. See, when I ask about this, the typical answer I get is, well, it's supposed to be hard. You are supposed to get weak and malnourished. Now, I get this. Trust me, I get this on one level. But I do have to wonder what is beneficial and what falls under a superstitious ritual that doesn't make any sense. And, but who knows, right? Uh, so the other, the other restriction I have a problem with is the lack of other master plants. See, master plants are all around us, and we consume them all the time. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of what a master plant is because it can be somewhat of a complicated subject, but the easiest way to think of a master plant is any plant or tree that has medicinal qualities These plants also have strong, energetic, and spiritual qualities. So do you like tea? Well, nearly every tea on the planet is made from a master plant. See, we typically consume master plants for their health benefits because, well, they are extremely healthy. Master plants, and see, master plants are a no-go because when you diet a master plant, you are essentially entering into an energetic, monogamous relationship with one master plant. And consuming another master plant is thought of as cheating on your plant, which disrupts the intimate connection. Now, I do agree with this, but only partly and wonder if a healthy balance could be met. For example... Let's say I was married or in a committed relationship. I should be and would be monogamous to ensure trust, a strong connection, and healthy relationship. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I couldn't have friends and even business partners who are female, right? As long as no romantic, intimate boundaries were crossed. So when it comes to master plants, I wonder if it is possible to diet one plant intimately while still using other plants intermittently not for energetic connection but strictly for their medicinal benefits to ensure proper health 
And let's take it take that a step further. What about using them in a synergistic way to support your main plant while helping you to better connect to nature and the plant world? See, I'm 41 years old and only started working with plants five years ago. This means for most of my life, I've been completely disconnected from nature. In fact, until five years ago, I never really saw plants as individuals. I just saw green things that grew from the ground. I just saw nature in a very simplistic way. Everything I saw could be put in one of these categories. It was either a flower, a weed, a plant, a bush, or a tree. So there was, I had no knowledge of medicinal qualities and definitely no knowledge of energetic or spiritual qualities when it comes to plants. And I definitely didn't think plants could talk and that they contained knowledge and wisdom. So at 41 years old, I am way behind the curve. And I wonder if other plants could be used to help make up for some lost time. I don't know the answer. I'm just asking the questions. So, all right, here's what I plan to do. So I will follow the restrictions as laid out for now. However, I plan to also ask Ayauma, the tree that I'm dieting for guidance, because at the end of the day, this is what dieting is all about. It's about connecting, learning, and talking with your plant or tree. See, everyone's journey and connection with plants is individual as it is based on a lot of factors. But really, the most important thing And the reason I'm asking any of these questions, I'm not asking these questions to make my journey easier. I am asking them because I want to be as successful as possible because I want to become a Jedi. So if I get any answers or make any modifications, I will keep you updated. See you on the other side.